want to spend a little time in review of what we started uh, actually about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and kind of get you up to speed to where we're at. Um, we have taken a break in our study of the book of First Corinthians. We stopped um, at the conclusion of chapter 11, and I felt led to lead, uh, to teach, to draw us into what is a life of grace? What is it that we as Christians look like? Um, what is it that we do and how do we get it done? And, and uh, as I dealt with that, uh, I had received a, an article from Dr. MacArthur. And I read the quote last week. I won't read it to you this morning, but I will summarize it in this way. The greatest uh, affliction in the church today is either the church's inability or unwillingness to discern between, between true and false Christians. And uh, there's multiple reasons for that. And I can tell you that as a Christian and as a church leader, um, for these many years, the thing that has gotten me into the most trouble caused me the greatest grief, um, greatest attacks against me personally have been when I've challenged a person's salvation. And what is amazing about it is the Bible is clear about it. It is extraordinarily clear about it. And yet... Um, in our society today, I'm not sure why. Um, well, I do. I do, and we'll deal with that as we get started. I want to open with prayer, and we'll probably start in John 8. Um, yeah, let's do John today. We'll do John's Gospel 8, and you'll need to know where First John is, his little bitty letter toward the back, towards Revelation. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, I praise you for your word. I praise you for your spirit. I praise you for your precious bride, your church. And Lord, uh, the amazing things that you do through your word, uh, by your spirit, and its manifestation in your church. Lord, I ask you that now that they hear not I, Father, that even I this day, would hear your spirit. We would listen to you, your words, and blaze them upon our souls. Help us. Help us, Lord. Help us to walk in a manner worthy. Help us to be strengthened in the inner man. Father, help us to die to self that Christ may live. Help us to decrease that Christ would increase. Father, may your power, may your majesty, may your glory just permeate through each of us individually, but Father, each of us collectively as we draw together to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, may this time be the sweet aroma of Christ into your nostrils. Father, may we have a boldness and a confidence in this gospel. Father, may we be the earthen vessels that many souls are reached for your kingdom. In Christ's name. Amen. You have an outline, and in your outline, I've dealt with two points, and I've been dealing with whole bunches of different texts to, to deal with this. 
But basically the two points that I've been wanting to look at for Christians only is what he does and what we do. What he does and what we do. Um, and it, it is a, a, a massive understanding. Uh, I began last week, or, or transitioned last week, I should say, on a text out of Romans 11, verse 26. And the question is, is a prophecy that, that uh, was given uh, and was reiterated by the Apostle Paul, uh, a deliverer will come out of Zion. And my question is, did a deliverer come out of Zion? Or are we still waiting? And we would all agree that a deliverer has come out of Zion without any problem. Two words that I learned many, many, many years ago, young in my faith, that just overwhelmed me when God revealed it to me, is the word delivered and the word redeemed. Both words have had a massive, powerful impact in my walk, my walk and who the person that you see this day. Okay? And the word that was drawn to my heart in these last few weeks is the word delivered. And I used an illustration a few weeks, last week I guess it was, that I'd received some books and they were delivered from California to my house. Okay, how much of that book stayed in Southern California? None of it. Okay, how much of it is at my residence? All of it. Okay, that took us to Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Okay, Paul giving thanks for the church in Colossae, understanding that he had never been in that church. But giving thanks for that group of people because they had been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of light in the Lord Jesus Christ. How much of them remained in the kingdom of darkness? None of them. Okay. Here's how I likened it. And it's synonymous, and I built this on this text, and we'll keep, I'll keep building as we go in these next few weeks. But if I look at it, I was delivered from the kingdom of lies. Kingdom of lies. And I have been transformed and transported and placed into the kingdom of truth. Truth. I had a discussion with my secretary this week, and I thought, how amazing is it that we Christians, feeble Christians... Okay, I know when creation started. I know how it started. Science is still scratching their heads, trying to figure out how. You know what's really cool about it? I know how it ends. Okay, and I know what takes place throughout the course of the time that it was spoken to existence to the time that there is a new heaven and a new earth. And I understand everything in the middle of it. Who? Deserves to know that kind of wisdom. Mankind scurries around trying to grasp that that can't be grasped without supernatural invention, intervention. And yet I know that. That's just, just because I'm a child of the king. Why? I have been delivered from the deception and I've been placed into the kingdom of truth. I have been delivered. If you are saved today, you have been delivered. And I showed you last week, it is impossible, hear the word that I am using, it is impossible for a true child of God to be deceived. 
impossible. Why? What kingdom is he in? Jesus himself said, I promise you, I leave. I will give you the spirit of truth that you may know most truth. All truth, all truth. Second, first Timothy chapter two, verse four. He says that God's desire is all men would be saved. And he defines saved. They would come to the knowledge of truth. They would come to the knowledge of truth. All right. John 14, you will have the spirit of truth and he will bring it to your remembrance. I showed you last week in light of what he has done. Here's what we do. What do we do? Second Corinthians 10, four, we walk in truth. Why? Because we are fighting against mighty fortresses, huge fortresses. I look at them as huge prisons. Huge, massive prisons, massive prisons. And inside, everybody is trapped in the lie. And he says, and we pull down, we destroy these strongholds. And it's the word logimos. And that term is ideologies. We tear down these ideologies. Why? So that they have the ability to take every thought captive to Christ. Okay? That's what we do. Listen, the church today is reactive. And that text says, no, you are proactive. Why? You have a king. You have a king who is the father of truth. Not only that, you tear down ideologies by the mighty power of God. And that's who we war for. But we war against Ideologies. We war against a kingdom of lies, a kingdom of deceptions, so that we can help those who are in prison bring every thought captive to Jesus Christ. That's what you're here for. Because everything else you can do in heaven better, except tear down strongholds of lies. I can worship better in heaven. I know I can. Okay? I know that for a fact that I can sing better in heaven. Okay? I know I can. Absolutely. And if you've ever heard me sing, you'll say, yeah, because anything for you would be a step up. Okay? But we go, we're going to do that. That's what we're here for. And yet I want the church not understand that. Not understand that. If you are saved today, and now listen, I'm not talking about you had an experience. And I'm going to deal with this in a second. I'm talking about you now have come to the knowledge of truth. You have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Not your Jesus. The Bible's Jesus. Okay? The Dalai Lama believes in Jesus Christ. Okay? He believes he was one of the greatest men that ever walked the planet. You're close. He was the greatest man who ever walked the planet. Not one up. He's in a league of his own. Okay. Buddha never raised the dead. Christ did. All right. Here's something that we miss, though. I've listened to Christians try to tell me that Allah and Jehovah are the same. You know what's bizarre about that? The Muslims don't believe that. But Christians do. 
Christians do. And if I went through the list of people who said this, it would floor you. You probably heard these names. And that's not what I'm here about. But not everybody who's talking Christianese has a clue what Christianese is. All right, because Allah is not the same. And you know what's cool? I like it is that the Muslims at least are not deceived by it. That's good. I mean, you're in the kingdom of darkness. You're in the kingdom of lies. But at least one truth did get through. Your God and my God ain't the same. That's pretty cool. Why? First John chapter four, verse one says we are commanded. It's all imperative present tense. And it says test the spirits. Why? Because there are many false teachers. Did you know that today? Listen, when you read the word deliver or um, rescued, maybe some of your translations, newer translations, it's always the root word. You may see it translated saved. You may see it translated save, salvation or savior. It's all a root, root, same root word. It means to deliver. Take it from one place and place it in the other place. You don't leave part of it in here and leave string it across. Okay, here's a problem that we've bought into. We believe that we were justified here. I'm in this life of sanctification. And when I go to heaven, I'm going to be glorified. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says you have been justified. You have been sanctified. You have been glorified. Therefore, you are saved. You don't get two out of three. I was really close to saved. No, if you have been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness, you are now in the kingdom of light. You are now glorified. Now, I'm not waiting to be glorified. When people see something good in a Christian, it isn't the Christian. It is Christ in the Christian. Why? It is his glory. And Jesus in his high priestly prayer in John 17 says, my glory I give to them now. Now. And we don't understand that. We don't understand that. Let me try to explain this. I've been, I've been wrestling with this and trying to figure out how do I explain this to you. And so this is going to be one of the most feeble attempts at something that I've ever tried. I need to explain to you salvation. Okay? What is it? Okay, I mean, I can give you the illustration that you, you took the package and you shipped it from here to there, and we all kind of smile. And, you know, when I deal with salvation, it's sort of like dealing with the Trinity. It's one but three. You know, you understand that, right? <laughs> it's a piece of cake. It's one but three. They're separate, but they're one. Okay, because it's just one God, and just, you know, and we go, okay, what? And I've heard it described, well, it's sort of like an egg. No, it ain't. <laughs> it ain't nothing like an egg. Okay, well, it's sort of like water. No, it ain't. It ain't nothing like water. And I heard a guy say, well, it's sort of like the Apollo moon mission. The what? You know, the one spaceship stayed up and the other two went to the... What? Go back to the egg. <laughs> the egg is better. Okay, I don't understand it. The Bible teaches it. But God said, if you could understand that, that would make you God and you're not. Okay, so I'm going to try to explain to you salvation. And my wife's saying, oh, great. I'm glad I'm taking a little trip after church today so I don't have to answer all of the questions. Okay? Let me see if I can explain it to you. In salvation, I see two planes. Okay? One is what I will call a non-experiential. 
and one is an experiential. Okay? In salvation, you have a divine level and you have a human level. Okay? The human level is the experiential. The divine level is the one that is not experiential. Okay? In the non-experiential, I haven't experienced it. I don't feel this. I don't see this. I don't witness this. Um, I can't see this. Let me give you an illustration. Justification. Okay? At the point of your salvation, you were justified. You were instantaneously delivered from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Can you see that? You can't see justification. Um, I was delivered from death and hell because I was justified. I have been ransomed. Uh, I have an adoption as, as, as a child of God. Those are, are, are legal terms. Okay? Uh, it, it's like if you go, if you've ever been in a court situation and in a criminal case, the person is found not guilty. They just walk away from it. You can't look at the person and say they're not guilty. It was a ruling that was handed down by a judge or through a jury. In a Christian's case, in God's high court, you have been ruled not guilty. Okay? Um, things that you, redemption. I can't see that. Uh, I can't see uh, reconciliation. Okay? But if you think about in the non-experiential ways, it always deals with God changing his relationship with the sinner. Okay? It's a divine view of salvation, if you want. Christ's work on our behalf through grace. Okay? It's not experiential. It, you, it isn't manifested. Okay? It is God changing the relationship. Okay? But along the same time of this non-experiential, there is an experiential. Okay? It is sensed. It is seen. It is manifested. Okay? Um, how do I say this? Okay? It changes the status in the experience non-experiential of how God thinks of us. Okay? It changes our status and how God views us. Did you know that God cannot look upon sin? Do you understand that's emphatic? It is impossible for God to look upon sin. So for Him to look upon you and I, something's got to change. Right? Okay? So in the non-experiential, um, he has changed us legally. Okay? But the same line, he changes us actually. Actually. He makes, the, there is a difference in our lives. The, the life manifests an inherent change. From where it was. There's a change of our nature. Okay. This is seen. 
It's manifested. There is a change in the way we think. Okay, our, our whole thinking process changes. I guess, you know what's really bizarre? Our will changes. Our will changes. Our desires change. They completely change. And what you'll find is they're probably 180 degrees out of phase with the world. What I desire. Okay, what I think. My will. You know what else changes? I mean, one that really hit me. My speech changed. The way I talk changed. Um, I was in, before salvation, I was in several different trades. Uh, one of them was construction. Uh, commercial and residential. And if you've ever been around a construction site, um, there's a whole bunch of people always calling on Jesus. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> and, and a few other forms of calling on Jesus. Okay? And when salvation came to my soul, okay, I didn't even understand the non-experiential, the justification side, but I did understand that my mouth did not sound like Jesus. And every time profanity came out of my mouth, it was like God sticking my head in a 55-gallon barrel and saying it. And it just went boom, 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 boom. And then all of a sudden, and here I was, uh, I was a general contractor, and general contractors sometimes have to use certain verbiage to get things done, okay? <laughs> well, they do. Um, you guys understand what I'm trying to say then? Okay, I'm glad we understand it. What it dawned on me was, I didn't use that language anymore. And I would like to say that I just woke up one morning and say, I'm not cussing anymore because that's not how it happened. When profanity came out of my mouth, it was like sticking my head in a barrel. And I kept thinking, oh, that's, I hate to hear them things ringing like that. And I remember some of the crews coming up saying, what's, what's up with you? You don't have the way of explaining things like you used to. Okay, why? That is that experiential side. Why? God says, I'm changing the relationship. I'm going to make it so I can tolerate you. Guess what happened? It changed. It changed. It changes our behavior. It changes our speech. It changes the way we think. It changes our will. It changes our desires. It changes our nature. Okay? There are two of these. Okay? Both of these, experiential and non-experiential, are in deliverance. If you've been redeemed, if you've been saved, if you have been delivered, both of them are there. Okay, please understand that. True Christians don't just change status. Okay, they change nature. They change nature. It's just not the position before God that changes. They literally become new creation. They're a new creation. And new is like one that wasn't there before. It's never been thought of before. Okay. It's not like getting a new car, okay? It's, getting a new car is like one that already existed. That's not a Christian. If I wanted it, the new would be like instead of getting a car, I went and got a spaceship. We ain't seen one of them, have we? 
I got my own personal flying saucer. Where'd you get that at? I never seen one like that. It's like one it never created. That's what a Christian is. A Christian isn't, well, let's just put a new paint job on it and clean it up a little bit and see how it looks. Nope. That's a legalist. That's a legalist. A Christian is literally a new creation. Okay? That's why you see terms, the Presbyterian call it regeneration. Um, the Baptists call it born again. Um, new life, conversion. Okay? Understand, when you were delivered, your status changed before God and your nature changed before man. Okay? And when that happens, people are going to be drawn to you and at the point of their crisis, they will either reject you or receive what is in you. All right? Why is not... I, I met with some pastors this week, Thursday, Thursday, Thursday morning. Pastors here in Castle Rock. And it's, it's, it's tragic, actually. <laughs> That's probably what they thought, too. But anyway, it's tragic because I think the longest guy in town is five years, six years. And then everybody else is less than that. And then you have me. And I've been here, some would say, way too long. Okay, uh, this, this is the only church that I've ever been in, in my entire life. Okay, and, uh, and I'm 11. <laughs> so, um, anyway... Their comments were, everybody's struggling. Every single church that was... Rep- now, these are what you would classify... I can't call them orthodox. Just These are guys who are close. Okay? Every one of them is struggling. Most of them, the reason is they've taken on a huge amount of debt. And the, the reason that they can't be functioning under the debt is because the same comment was made by every one of them. I have as many going out the back door as I have coming in the front door. And nobody stays. I just kind of snickered. And they said, well, I said, it's been that way as long as I can remember. I said, I can guarantee in every one of your churches the people, that there are people in your church who have been through our church. Guaranteed. Why? We don't discern who is saved and who is not. Those who have been saved, born again, their status before God has changed what about the rest of it? What about the rest of it? Is that true in Castle Rock? I know a lot of people who claim that their status before God has changed, but I look at their nature and it has not changed, which tells me, listen, I know this for a fact. There's very few things that I can say I know for a fact, but this one I do know for a fact. Our enemy will sow in the church as many false as he can get in. And he will do it as often as he can, as fast as he can, with as many as he can, and he will until that day is done for him. And those false people in the church will suck the life out of a church. They will suck the life out of a church. They want the church confused. They want the church not to understand who is true and who is not. They want the church to have a false security. Okay? Listen, if somebody told you, you say this prayer and you'll be saved, and you did that and you believed you're saved, 
Do you know that that's false teaching? It's not biblical. It's not in there. Let me tell you something about my Jesus, about my Lord. He's not a beggar, and he don't make deals. If you can't accept him absolutely for all that he is, then you have no part of him. It's impossible. And I'll deal with that. Now, Romans, or not Romans, John chapter 8. I have been, listen, you want, I know how I can tell true Christians? Spot them just like that. Just like that. And it's the easiest thing in the world to do, and yet we're afraid of it. We're afraid of it. Well, it's confronted. Yeah, it is. But you know what? We run around and say, but I love you. Okay, go ahead and just send your brains out, but just remember this. I love you. Nope. If I love you, and I see what you're doing brings shame to your Savior, my love for you is so massive that I'm going to take you under my arm. I'm going to pick you up if I have to carry you and say, what you're doing is reprehensible to he who died for you. But come on, I'll walk with you until you're strong enough to walk by yourself. Okay? You know how it's the easiest way to spot a true Christian? Write this verse down. Put it down in your Bible. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. wonderful verse it's so simple that's why jesus gives me those jesus says he's my simple one (laughs) he is so simple i got to keep it simple for him all right it says that you will as a newborn babe crave do you ever ever seen newborn babies you got twins how old are they oh my lord (laughs) when your twins tell you it's time to eat is there any discussion? No, there isn't, is there? We don't sit there and say, well, would you like this? Or would you? And when a child, a newborn babe, says it's time to eat, the child is politely saying, stop the universe. It's about me now. That's it. Just like that. I'm going to get up every two hours and I expect you to be waiting. If you do not, I shall wake you with a noise like you've never heard on this side of Hades. You're right? Yeah. I'm, my kids were all colicky. Okay. And my kids, the only way my children could sleep is if I laid flat on my back and they laid flat on my chest. So dad lays for the first about, what was it? Eight, nine months of their existence. I didn't sleep. Because I'm laying there with this kid, and then they'd go to sleep, and you'd crawl out of bed, and you'd walk down the hall, you lay it down, and all of a sudden this, wah, would come, and you'd go back, and you lay it down, and you know, I've heard all of the cures. Take this, and eat this, and don't do this, and do it. I had these demons in my home who said, I will sleep, you will stay alive, awake, and you shall cherish this time. And so, when I read Second Peter, or 1 Peter chapter 2, it says, As a newborn babe, I know the definition of crave. Okay? Pure spiritual milk of the word as to grow by it. It's that simple. It's that simple. I can spot a Christian a mile away. Why? They want the word of God. 
morning, noon, and night, every two hours, if they're young, and they will crave it, and they want it, they desire it, and it overwhelms them. Okay? Now then, Romans, or not Romans. Why do I keep wanting to go to Romans? Romans 8. Okay. Uh, I want to go to John's Gospel, chapter 8, verse 32. Now, you've got to think about John's thinking when he's writing this. This is written around 90 A.D. He's been on the island of Patmos, and he's written out a letter that you know as the book of Revelations. Now he's decided to start at the beginning. He's going to go back, and he's going to deal with what's going on here. Here's what he says here. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Okay? John's mindset at the writing of his gospel is who is true? Who is true? Back to verse 31. Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him. Okay. Now remember, for Jew to believe in Jesus was a disaster. Okay. So he says, for those who believe in him, if you what? Abide may be your translation. If you continue in what? My word. Then you are what? Methetos aletho. Methetos aletho. Disciple inerrant. Methetos aletho. A disciple inerrant. You are my true disciples. You are not erroneous in your understanding. You're not in error. Okay? You got the whole package deal and you got it all, it's all good, it's looking good. Your package has been delivered by UPS from dominion of Satan into the dominion of Christ. Okay? Why? You're genuine. You're real. How do you know? You continue in my word. Okay, when you see truth, if I've been delivered out of the kingdom of the lies into the kingdom of truth, if I've been delivered out of the kingdom of error into the kingdom of light, then I can understand that the word is truth. They are synonymous. My true disciples can be spotted a mile away. Why? They continue in my word. True. Remain in the word. Why? Listen, if the truth has set you free, why would I go back to a lie? Why would I go back to it? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen that? I sometimes wonder if I haven't seen that more than I've seen people to the truth. I mean, I don't say that to offend people. It is true. And truth is at the very heart of deliverance. If I haven't been delivered from the kingdom of error, then there is no truth. And where am I still at? Okay. Do you understand what he's saying here? It's not about your works, your deeds, your abilities, or your talents. If you are saved, you have an overwhelming desire for truth. And you will be as a newborn babe craving the pure spiritual milk of the word as to grow in it. Verse 41 He says this. The Jews are admitting to something here. Okay? Basically what is happening. He says, you know, they answered him, said, Abraham is our father. Okay? Jesus said to them, if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. But as it is, you're seeking to kill me. 
Ooh, nasty confrontation there. Verse 31. You are doing the deeds of who? Your father. You are doing the deeds of he who rules over you. You are acting like children of what kingdom? Kingdom of darkness. You look just like it. You look like it. I mean, you act like who is your ruler. Um, See, you know what's amazing about this phrasing? The majority are saying the same thing today. The majority are saying the same thing today. We have one Father. We have one God. Our God's the same as your God. We all worship the same God. I seen an interview the other day. Forgive me. Okay. It was Shirley MacLaine. Where's a piece of work? Okay. But she talks to dead people all the time. Well, she does. She believes that she's hung out with them. And it's, it's comical for me. Anyway, the fires in California, Southern California, is because George Bush is president. That's what God told her. Okay? And you know what? There's no doubt in my mind. <laughs> Ain't no doubt in my mind. God told you. Your God probably did tell you that. Probably did. And I wouldn't argue with you. Okay? And she'll tell you she has one God. And she has one Father who's over all. Is that the same? How about Madonna? Madonna is practicing a form of Judaism right now. But it's blend with Catholicism. And a side order of the gospel. And she'll tell you she has one father, one God, and she will worship him forever and ever. You know what? I give her a hearty amen. She will. She has one God. She has one father. And she will worship him. Because she's worshiping him now. But look what Jesus says in this text. You are doing the deeds of your father. They said to him, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, God. This is a massive view today. It is a massive view today. It crosses all evangelical lines. It it is across the board. A few years ago, there was a document that came out that a number of great evangelicals signed on to with Catholic uh, apologists. It's called ECT. Evangelicals, Catholics together. Why? For the betterment of society. Okay? And basically what they said, they concluded that we all love Lord Jesus Christ. We all believe there is one God. We all believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Therefore, we are all one. Okay? And if I told you who the evangelicals who signed on it, you expect the doodahs. Okay? They signed on to it. But there were some others that signed on that just floors me. J.I. Packard. Okay? Chuck Colson. All signed on to this thing. And there was a meeting with some other guys who are not quite as free-thinking. R.C. Sproul, uh, James Kennedy, and John MacArthur. And they met, and they were all discussing this thing. And MacArthur says, I am in awe today. And he says, why is that? He says, with one meeting of nine of us, the kingdom has literally added 1.5 billion Catholics 
to the kingdom of God. We've literally just made them Christians. The same people who wanted to kill Martin Luther, who killed John Knox, who put John Bunyan in prison. Those same people, we just saved them. He says, we do have a revival going on, don't we? It's not the same God. They are doing the works of... Listen, I'm going to try to make this as gentle as I can. They are doing the works of deception. They are doing the works of lies. Listen, I'll make it simple. My Bible says, head of the church is Christ. Roman Catholics say the head of the church is who's right? Bible's right. All right? Do I need do I need more detail? I don't need more detail than that. You're telling me you're taking the place of Christ. Tell him that when you see him, would you? That is deception. That is a lie. And we just cruise along saying, well, it's not that big a deal. Really? Taking Jesus off his throne over his church and putting a man in his place and you're telling me it's not that big a deal? That's the lie. It's a mass view. It's reasonable. We, these Jews here in, in John 8, they call him Elohim. They call him Yahweh. They believe God is creator. They believe God is a covenant God. They believe he is the God of Israel. They believe that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know what? It is the same God. It's the same God that Jesus has been teaching about. Same God. Jesus' response. If God were your father, you would what? Love me. For I proceed forth and have come from God, and I have not even come of my own initiative, but he who sent me. If you loved me, what? Then you love God. But you're planning on killing me. What does that mean? To love Christ is to love God. Listen, this gets bizarre. I'll lay it out. Here we go. John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 44 says this. No man can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Okay? Jesus right there is saying, you know what? Me and God, you can't separate. You can't separate. Listen, there are billions of ways to Jesus Christ. One to God. One to God. Okay? You love Christ. You can't worship the same God unless you love Jesus Christ. See, the error about any error about the person of Christ, any error about the work of Christ, any error about salvation, any error about what Christ has provided, you don't have God as your Father. It's impossible. Any error exists then the spirit of truth is asleep. And I don't think he does that. Okay? Jesus says here, you do have a father. You do have a father. Listen, this is stark, and this is clear. Jesus is setting it out. There is a divining line. And the divining line is truth. You are of your father the devil. Now run around and tell people that and see how, much, how many friends you get. 
If you follow, you see a person who has error in the person of Christ, the work of Christ, the deity of Christ, his provisions in Christ. If they have an error about the body of Christ, guess what? Listen, if I am a child of Christ, if I am a child of God, I have an overwhelming desire like a craving infant for truth. I see an overwhelming desire for opinion. But he gives messages that are relevant today. What the heck does that mean? They're relevant today. Man is lost. God is not. Lost or in the dark, God is light. There's truth, there's error. How more relevant do you need? See, I see people who have created Jesus in their own image. Have created Jesus that they like. He's so sweet. Wait till you see him a second time. You know, I have people, what about global warming? Wait till you see what Jesus does. Okay? He's calling it global deep fry. Okay, verse 45. Look, now watch what he says here. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak truth, why do you not believe me? Look at verse 47. He who is of God hears the words of God. For this reason, you do not hear them. Why? Because you are not of God. Is it any more clear than that? I mean, 46, he asked the question, who convicts me? I speak truth, you don't listen. That's the question. Why don't you listen? Now listen, he's talking to people. He looks at them and says, you're very religious. You're devout. Man, you are knocking yourselves over. You're so concerned. You are desperately wanting humanity to worship Jehovah. You have a zeal for the things of God. But right now I'm telling you, your father's the devil. You don't know God. You're not his child. You're a child of Satan. And the reason is you don't love me. You know how I know you don't love me? You don't believe what I say. That's serious contrast. That's a serious contrast. It's a matter of truth. God has done what? Taking you out of the kingdom of darkness, put you in the kingdom of light. He's taking you out of the kingdom of lies and put you in the kingdom of truth. What do you do? It's a matter of truth. Fight for the truth. I should crave truth like the twins. Why? Get up. It's time. Feed me. Truth. Now. <laughs> do you do that? Okay. I'm going to start closing this. Go to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. Well, maybe not. 1 John chapter 4 verse 5. Okay. See what God has already done? And see what you should be doing? Okay, 1 John chapter 4, verse 5. Now, John is speaking of the unbelievers, okay, 
Where are they from? He says, they are from where? The world. Therefore, they speak as from where? Do you hear what he just said? Remember what I gave you the illustration? My head stuck in a barrel. Who was I speaking as? The world. The world. John is speaking to a people. He says, he says, do you understand that the world has its own frequency? Its own wavelength. Its own mode of communication. Look at verse 6 says. We are from God. Okay. He who knows God does what? Did you hear what? Look at that. That just freaks me out. He who knows God listens to who? To us. Do you hear what he just said? How dare you? You can't say that. You're just John. I want to listen to God. You're surrounded by that, brothers and sisters. You are absolutely inundated by that today. You don't need to read your Bible. You need to be sensitive to God. He's talking to you. He's saying, you listen to us. Okay? Acts chapter 2. Peter goes out, preaches his first uh, message out of seminary. Okay? That was the seminary of the upper room in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Preaches his first sermon. It says 3,000 people got saved. How do you know that? Because they continued in the apostles' teaching, doctrine. What does that mean? Truth. They stayed in the truth. They got saved and you knew they were saved because they did what? And it says they did it on Sunday mornings. Every Sunday morning they were faithful to come and hear the doctrine of truth. No. Daily they were in truth. Well, we can't do that today. We don't have enough time. You know, I've got kids and jobs and need jobs and more kids and education and trying to do the Really? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and I don't have time. Ooh, bad place to be. Why? Are you His? Yeah. If, <laughs> let me use your twins again. Twins wake up from their two-hour appointment with sleep. They wake up and says, Mom, Dad... Right now, I just don't have time to eat. I need to go do something else. When did that ever happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me tell you something. If you're waiting for that to happen, we're talking miracle, dude. Because <laughs> that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen on this side of glory. I guarantee you that. It ain't going to happen. You can't do that. It's impossible. That child gets up. Kim back there got a little Josh. Well, Josh says, you know, Josh, a little sweet bundle. Smile, 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 smile. It's time to eat. I think I'm just going to smile for a minute, okay? No, he ain't. He will become evil incarnate until it's dealt with. All right, if I am a, been 
saved from darkness, I am now free in truth, then what should be an overwhelming passion of my soul? The thing that should motivate me, the thing that should direct me, the thing that should drive me, the thing that should just overwhelm me with every aspect of my soul. Truth. Truth. I should be consumed with truth. You know what? I would even find myself at times sacrificing earthly delights for truth. John is speaking to unbelievers. He says they speak as the world. And guess what? When they speak as the world, the world listens. He says, so do those who are from God. Pull this thing all together. In John 8, Jesus said, if you belong to God, you will love me. You believe in me as very God. And I affirm that by your truth. Why? Test the spirits, he says. Listen to me, Jesus says. Obey me, Jesus says. Not only that, he says, you know what? Listen to John. Listen to John. Listen, I can tell when a person is preaching truth and the power of truth. And when a person is preaching because they're good at preaching. I can spot it. It sounds just like this. You know what? In 19... 94, 96. When was the um, International Conference on the Bible? Didn't you go with me? Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Anyway, it was to commemorate John MacArthur's study Bible. Nelson Publisher put it on, and they brought out the big guns. Everybody was going to preach. Everybody got uh, two hours to preach, or an hour to preach, two times. Okay, you had Joe Stoll, who's president of Moody. You had Adrian Rogers out of uh, Tennessee. You had Dr. Stephen Olford, uh, Jeremiah, I don't call him Jeremiah Johnson, David Jeremiah uh, out down at Saddleback. Uh, Tony Evans was there and all the rest of it. Okay, uh, and John MacArthur. You know, to this very day, I can tell you the text that every man preached. Two times they preached, each of them preached, and I can tell you to this day every text that they preached. Now let me tell you something. It ain't because I got a memory like a trap. Yeah, that's right. Okay, but do you understand that? Ask my wife, do I do well with memory? No. What day is it? No. Okay. It's Sunday. It's gotta be Sunday. Why? Why are you here? <laughs> All right. Why do I remember that? Because the spirit of truth in me grasped the spirit of truth in those men who preached the word of truth at that time and said, you as a child of truth need this truth. Therefore, I will bring it to your remembrance. I'll bring it to your remembrance. Okay. Look at verse six. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this, here's what he says, by this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We know this. We know this. People who do not want to listen to truth. You know, he preaches too long. He just, I just don't understand it. This is just too much time for me. This is too much of this. This is too much of that. You know what you're saying? Truth ain't that important. Don't you understand I'm busy? Don't you understand I got a lot to do? 
Okay? How could that be? Think about this. I want you to get a hold of this for a second. At, in Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached that, ser- that sermon, he went to the temple to preach it. 3,000 people came to Christ just like that. Okay? Have you ever thought about that? Forty days earlier, they wanted Jesus crucified. Great throngs of people crucify him. Crucify him. How could there be such a transition of belief, such a transition of conviction, a transition of confidence? How could that be? He was a fisherman. He was an orator. He wasn't trained. He didn't know the body dynamics of sermons, introduction, body, conclusion, response. He didn't understand that. He said, you murdered Messiah. What must we do to be saved? Be baptized and believe. On that day, 3,000, they continued daily in the doctrine of the apostles. Let me show you how it's coming to happen. Chapter 2, verse 27. First John says this. As for you, you have, as for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you, remains in you. You have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, I like that, all things. You know what that would be, right? That would be most things. No, it would be all things. And is true, is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you remain in him. A child of God at the moment of salvation has an anointing. It is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon him and he now has the literal author of Scripture indwelling him. You know why? That's when I can hear a person teach and I can tell you whether they are of God or whether they are of man. Why? You can hear it. I know it. Listen, I listened to, uh, I'm going to mention his name, Kenneth Copeland. Okay? At the time that sermon I heard him preach, was I had just finished up in First Peter, preaching First Peter. And he talked about him descending and all the rest of it. And he went right through that text on where he descended to pay the penalty. He went right through the text and you would have swore he was reading my notes until he got to the part where it says he went down and he paid the rest of the penalty when he was down there in hell. And that's blasphemous. Our Savior never stepped foot in hell. His torment was eternal sep- that separation that was going to do you and me. Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The separation of God the Father, God the Son, that's true. He did not go down. Satan does not rule hell. Satan did not afflict Jesus Christ in hell for three days. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Who rules hell? God does. And the penalty was paid when he says, I commit my spirit to your hands. Please. He got close. He got real close. But close doesn't get you in. One of the translations for the word sin is to miss the mark. And he missed the mark. The spirit of truth is in us. It knows what we're supposed to do. Chapter 4 verse 7 says this. Beloved, because I have that indwelling, 
Because I know truth, because the truth has set me free, because I am now a father of my God or a son of my God, that I have been removed from one kingdom into the other one. Here's how I will look. All this happened. Why? Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. You know how you can tell they have a craving for the word so that they'll grow by it and they're going to love the same way Messiah hanging on that cross loved. And let me tell you something. In our society today, we're so narcissistic. I love that word. We are so self-centered that someone who has a selfless love stands out just like my old sore thumb. You, you can spot it a mile away. It is beyond understanding. You literally, oh, I think that person's just got problems. That they can love that way. Christ's love on the cross. How much did he withhold? How much do you love the brethren? How much do you withhold? Then back up one step. Am I craving the truth as to grow by it? And if you're not, then back up the next step. Who's your king? See, Christ, my king, I love truth because the truth has set me free. And it set me free in such a way that I love in such a way people say, that guy's nuts. And you love the nasty ones too. Think about it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Think about that for a second. What do you withhold from yourself? What do you withhold from your neighbor? Why? Because the truth has set me through. And he says, you know this. You, know, you understand this. See, the spirit of truth in me makes me long for truth. As I grow in that truth, I grow in my love. I pray, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, I pray that the Holy Spirit and the inner man will strengthen you in such a way that you'll know the love of Christ. The height, the breadth, the length, the depth of the love of Christ with all the saints that surpasses knowledge. That you can understand a love that really can't be known. But you can understand it. Why? And that Christ will dwell in you. He will be at home in you. In the inner man. He will be at ease in you. Why? And then God will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could ever think or imagine. Alright? We want to go straight from here I am saved to do immeasurably more than I could ever think or imagine. And self is the motivation behind it. Christ says, bow to me. Walk in my holiness. Walk in my power, my majesty, my strength, and I will do immeasurably more than you could have ever dreamed. Not you doing for me. Chapter 5, verse 1 says this. First John. Oops. My band-aid stuck. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. Here's what John's saying. Let's follow the thought through. We're done. If you're born of God, Okay, you've been delivered. Okay, I've been delivered. If I'm born of God, I'm going to listen to his truth. I'm going to yearn for his truth. I'm going to crave his truth. I want to hear the men and the women who are empowered by the spirit of God to give me more truth. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. Okay, I want that. You're going to listen to it. It isn't an argument. It isn't a debate. It isn't intellectual ascension. It is, yes, saith the Lord. Amen. You're going to believe what they wrote. You're going to understand what they wrote because the spirit of the author is in you. 
And then you're going to turn around and you're going to look at every single person. First and foremost, we say we love Jesus, don't we? Don't we? I love Jesus. He's so sweet. Okay, it's the Lamb of God. We all like little lambs, don't we? Let me ask you a question. How do you feel about the church? How important in your life is the church? People ask me, why do you do what you do? I would like to tell us because I love you. Truth of the matter is, I love Jesus. And you guys manifest him. You strengthen me. I pray that I strengthen you. You can't separate the two. You can't separate Christ and the church. You can't separate the Bible and the Christ. You can't separate the Bible and the church. It's the way God said, here's how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to pull this off. Watch. But go look at church today in America and ask yourself how much of it is true. How much do they give truth? Now, I'm not talking about bells and whistles and organs and big screens, whatever. I'm talking about when that man gets up and says, turn in your Bibles to, well, they don't do that no more. They put it on a screen. See the verse up there? How much of it is true? But if you have a whole congregation that does not have the indwelling of the spirit of truth, how will they know? They won't. Because they are of their fathers. You know, one of the greatest tragedies that I see is produced out of this not confronting true and false. Literally, congregations have become the feeding pits for the flesh. What does that church have for me? My family, my children, do they have... Really? Mom, dad, you're the spiritual leaders of your family. Dad, you have to give an account. Okay? I go to church for one reason. I don't care if it's this church. I don't care if it's I'm visiting in California from down in New Mexico or wherever I'm at. I go for one reason. What can I give at this moment to this body of people? That's it. When you go to church, do you go to get or do you go to give? Why? You have a love for the brethren. I've been in a church that has 8,000 people in each service. Okay? It's a big church. Okay? And yet when you walk into that, you feel like you are at home. You feel one with the group. Everybody is there. Everybody's knocking themselves over to come and talk to you and ask you where you're from and what do you do and how long have you known Jesus. And it drives you crazy. It is overwhelming to see it. But the truth of the matter is, you're going to listen to the apostles. If you're going to listen to truth, you have to understand that there is a love there. That love is manifested. And when that love is manifested, then it comes out. It pours forth. I've been delivered. I now embrace those who love God. 
I want to hold them. I want to be with them. I want to hang with them all the time. That's where my home is. I mean, you think about it. You go into a congregation of 8,000 and feel like you're at home? You can. When the spirit of truth is all over everybody, you're at home. Where's your heart? Where you belong? You've been in that place. You're in that body of Christ. You have a love there. You have a devotion for it. Why? Because it is truth. It is truth. See, what has God done? He delivered you. He delivered you out of error. He delivered you out of the law, or out of the law, delivered you out of the lie, placed you in truth. Then he placed the spirit of truth in you. Now you will crave truth, just like an infant craves milk. That, see the two sides? One is, what this is what he's already done. You just wake up one morning and say, wow, truth. I need to read my Bible. Why? Because I want to. I want to know more how much he loves me. This is so cool that he loves me. Every time I read it, he just loves me more. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then you walk out, you know what you do? You spill love all over everybody everywhere you go. And it's not by your abilities. It is that you have declined from the lie that says you're important to the truth that says he's important. And now he's asked me and privileged me to be a part of the eternal destiny of souls. Every single Christian has that. Now, you're not waiting on it. It's now you have that. Let's pray. Father, feed us. Father, continue to overwhelm us with a desire for truth. Father, continue to just lift you in us. Father, your glory be manifest in your saints. Father, your power be manifest in your church. Father, your bride, holy, pure, chaste virgin unto her Savior, Father, help us. Help us walk worthy. Help us walk in the power and majesty. Help us walk in truth. But Lord, help us be overwhelmed with your love and help us to overwhelm others with your love. Father, this is what Jesus would want. Thank you. Christ, amen.